This episode is brought to you by Trillium Aesthetics. Let's face it, the weird look is having a moment. When you look around at celebrities, strange looking eyes, overfilled lips, puffy cheeks, and faces that don't seem to move at all are common. You've probably started seeing this around you at the store or when you're out with your friends. Trillium Aesthetics is the place to go for non-surgical treatments that keep people wondering, did she have something done? What does she do to get such beautiful skin? The team at Trillium Aesthetics prides itself on results that whisper, but don't shout. If you're looking for non-surgical treatments to brighten up a dull winter complexion, add a little pout to your lips, or erase some pesky smile lines, call the team at Trillium Aesthetics. Schedule online on their Instagram page at Trillium underscore aesthetics, or visit the website trilliumaesthetics.com. Welcome to The Trillium Show, where we help you make the changes you want to see in your body, in your mind, and in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Hall. One of the most popular procedures year over year in my office is a breast lift with implants. Most of my patients are kind of in my demographic. They're women that are done having kids, kind of want to improve and get back the shapes that they had before kids stole that. That typically means lifting the breast back up on the chest, reshaping it, and adding a little bit more volume in the shape of an implant. I want to talk a little bit about that procedure, what it is, what it isn't, recovery, time off of work, and all of that to give you a good understanding of what that is. So breast lift with implants, what are the goals? Well, the goals of a breast lift are to improve the nipple position on your chest. We want to get that nipple back up above the breast crease to a more youthful spot. We want to reshape the breast around that nipple that's now in a new spot. We want to reduce areola that get large with pregnancy. That's one of the things when we're talking about lifts and implants, that's typically one of the first questions like, are you going to make my nipples a little smaller? And the answer to that is yes, is that is a part of a lift with or without an implant. And then lastly is to remove excess breast skin that kind of sits between the nipple and the breast crease. That skin and breast tissue that can get stretched out over time and drop and descend. So we want to remove that. Just as important though to know what a breast lift with an implant does do, let's talk about what a breast lift doesn't do because it's important to understand that and we spend a lot of time in our consultations talking about what doesn't happen so that we can make plans if that's something that you're interested in to improve. So that we can make plans if one of the things that it doesn't do is one of the things that you're after, that we can make plans to accomplish those goals because you don't want to go through all of this surgery and then look and say, well, I thought that it did this and it doesn't. So what does a breast lift not do? Big thing is a breast lift doesn't improve hollowness in the upper pole of the breast. Most women will require some sort of volume augmentation, either in the form of an implant or in the form of fat grafting to be able to fill out that upper pole of the breast. Upper pole hollowness isn't corrected with a breast lift by itself. You have to have an implant for that. The second thing that it doesn't do is a breast lift won't improve stretch marks. If you've got stretch marks on your breast, that is the result of damage to the dermis, so the underlying part of the skin. That will not get better with a breast lift, and if we add an implant, it may actually make that a little bit worse. So that's something that you have to be ready for. The other thing that it won't fix is side boob. If you've got 
breast tissue or fat that's accumulated under your arms. Typically, a lift will help improve that. Oftentimes, we have to add liposuction or some other treatment to your chest to help improve that side boob and get rid of that when we do our breast lift or lift and implants. Likewise, poor skin quality, kind of loose, saggy skin is actually something that we talk a lot about because that is largely what causes you to need a breast implant. We don't change that skin or tissue quality over time. And so that's something we have to talk about how we're going to handle that both in our initial surgery and planning for later. And then lastly, if you're someone who has a long torso and your breasts sit down at the bottom part of your torso, your cre breast crease is fairly low, that will not change. Your breasts will still sit low on your chest. You'll still have a long distance between your collarbone and the top part of your breast. Even if we add an implant, your breast kind of has a footprint like your foot does, and we can't change that footprint. So if you're a woman who has breasts that sit low on her chest, they're still gonna sit low on your chest when we're done. So now that we know what a breast lift accomplishes, what a breast lift doesn't accomplish, let's talk about how the procedure is actually done. With breast lifts, there are three incision types that you'll see if you're digging around on the internet. You can call them the small, medium, and large. There is the donut or just around the areola incision, which really is a bad incision for a breast lift. It doesn't accomplish much in the way of lifting. It's more used when we're using an implant to just tighten up a little bit of skin around that areola, maybe move it a centimeter or two, but not getting a whole lot of lift out of that incision. You move up to the medium or lollipop style incision where we add a vertical incision. So around the areola and then down from the areola to the breast crease, that is the second type of incision. That is for women who need a little bit more lift to recenter that nipple on your chest. And then the third incision, and probably the one that people are the most familiar with, is the teddy bear or ship's anchor incision, where we take that lollipop incision and then add an incision in the breast crease of variable lengths, depending on how much extra tissue there is in that lower part of the breast between the nipple and the breast crease. Those incisions typically heal well. The incision that everybody seems to be worried about is that vertical incision, and those heal fairly well, provided there's not a lot of tension on them. Tension is really the enemy of good wound healing, and that's why during our consultation and when we're talking about adding a lift and implants, that procedure can be done in a single stage, but we're kind of walking a tightrope. You're walking a tightrope between too little tension and breasts being sag still being a little bit saggy, too much tension and scars getting wide or worse coming apart. And so we want to navigate that balance beam just right and plan for later if things are a little bit loose to revise that scar, do a little bit of tightening later once everything is healed. Because falling off the other side of that balance beam where things are too tight, you can get into some really long-term problems. The other option there is doing it in two stages, which a lot of women don't want to do, but we talk about that during consultations because that is another option. 
Surgery for breast lift with an implant or breast lift alone takes between three and four hours. In my practice, <clears throat> I'm operating by myself. I don't have somebody sewing, cutting and sewing and, and you know, I'm doing one side and they're doing the other. It's all me. So it takes between three or four hours. You're at home the same day. We typically don't use drains for these anymore. Nobody wants them. And drain tubes are typically not something that we use for these procedures. I operate here in our private surgery center. Once surgery is over, we, you spend about 30 minutes in the recovery room, go home the same day. I, I tell patients, you're going to lose the morning. You're you get a little bit of medication before surgery. You last thing you really remember is talking to me and having me mark things right before surgery. Next thing you know, you wake up on your couch. For women that have had other procedures, hospitals and other surgery centers, the surgery day is fairly pleasant. You don't really remember a whole lot. Recovery in plastic surgery is very surgeon dependent. There's a lot of what works for me that surgeons get into during their post-op recovery time. For my patients with a breast lift, breast lift with implants, there's surgical tape that covers your incisions. There's no stitches that have to come out. You can shower the next morning. Actually, I encourage you to shower the next morning because you want to be clean, but you feel more human once you've kind of been able to take a shower, wash some of the funk off, and freshen up a little bit that next day. There are no restrictions in terms of what you can and can't do from a range of motion standpoint. A lot of women ask me if they can wash their hair the next day. The answer is yes. What I don't want you doing is lifting anything, is doing any movement where your chest muscles or arm muscles are loaded and you're trying to reach up. You're lifting something heavy up above your head or trying to pick things up off the floor. That includes kids. So for moms who are having this, who have young kids, you either want help or you want to let your children climb into your lap, stand up with them instead of trying to pick them up off the floor. Things are going to look weird that first week after surgery. There's no two ways around it. Things swell. Things, you, you may have a teeny bit of bruising if we're doing some liposuction, but you, they look weird. If we're using implants, the top part of your breast can swell. It can make your nipples look like they're pointed down a little bit. All of that is normal. Obviously, if it's something you're concerned about, I want my patients to let me know about it. If you're somebody else's patient, let them know about it. That is relatively normal right after surgery. In terms of working and return to work, kind of depends on what you do. If you have a desk job, you work at a computer, you can work remotely. Typically after a week, you're not taking narcotic medication, you're able to kind of go back to your normal routine. If you've got a very physical job, I recommend people taking about two weeks off. You can always go back early if you feel great and you want to. But depending on the nature of your work, one to two weeks off. Now, I don't want anybody doing any exercise, so lifting more than about 10 pounds or bouncing. Those are the two restrictions, lifting and bouncing for six weeks. Really want those implants to heal before we start stressing those implants at all. There's a, I did a podcast back in, a couple of months ago about sex after surgery. You can listen to that one. That's always a question. <clears throat> the bouncing really comes in there. 
In terms of new clothes, wait three to four months until you, you start going swimsuit shopping, you start going bra shopping, things are gonna be swollen. You don't wanna buy a bunch of new stuff when you're still swollen, especially if it's expensive stuff. And then the swelling goes down and the, your new stuff doesn't fit. So <clears throat> wait three to four months before you start going shopping. Scar treatments are variable. You know, that's kind of the next thing is, is what do we do about scars? We can start topical scar treatments as early as a week after surgery. <clears throat> and that's topical scar treatments. We recommend a silicone tape or silicone gel over your scars. We can also start laser treatments as early as a week. So as soon as our surgical tape comes off, we can start treating scars. If you have had problems with scarring in the past or just want to be super aggressive, we can start that pretty early. So common thing that comes up is why would I not want to do this? And th this is really where we get into the, the reason that you shouldn't have a lift and or implants. We talk in terms of relative and absolute contraindications. So relative contraindications mean, eh, probably not the greatest idea. You, you run the risk of either some medical problems or a cosmetic outcome that's less than perfect. <clears throat> and then you've got absolute contraindications, which means is really not a good idea to have surgery at all. So relative contraindications to a lift, certainly a lift with implants, is poor tissue quality. And thin, saggy, sad breast tissue, thin skin with lots of stretch marks, the chances that you are going to need a revision later, no matter what we do, is pretty high. Like I said at the very beginning, we can't treat poor quality tissue. If you've got collagen that has kind of melted away, if your skin is thin, there's nothing that we're going to do for that. <clears throat> and so going into that, if that's if you're kind of in that camp, it doesn't mean we can't do surgery. It doesn't mean we can't get you a good result. It means that we have to be careful and plan for the fact that your skin is going to relax after surgery. Once the swelling goes away, it is going to relax. And so that means being conservative in implant choices, not putting a huge implant in, trying to stretch things out, because that's just going to make the problem worse. It means not pulling things too tight. It means accepting that there's a possibility that six months, a year down the road, we're going to want to come back. That tissue will have sagged a little bit. And we're going to want to come back and tighten that up a little bit more to get the result that we want. So <clears throat> does it mean no surgery? No. It just means we need to understand that a second little tuck up may be needed at a year. If you have medical problems that make anesthesia dangerous, and this is a relative contraindication to everything. If you've got medical problems that make anesthesia dangerous, we need to think about that. This is surgery that you want, not surgery that you need. And so we don't wanna take medical risks with your health just to give you better looking breasts. Smoking, and this is one that comes up a lot, is it causes problems with microcirculation. And when we're doing a breast lift, certainly when we're doing a breast lift with implants, nicotine impairs the ability for your body to heal those incisions that we need to heal to get you a nice result. A lift with implants is typically, in my book, a no-no for having 
cosmetic breast surgery like this. You have to be nicotine free. We want to optimize your results. So six weeks before, six weeks after surgery, no nicotine at all. That includes nicotine gum, um, nicotine pouches, things like that. Cigarette smoking, nicotine is a no for this kind of surgery. So we'll wait until you're, till you, we can get you off before we proceed. In a new relative country, certainly something we have to talk about is Ozempic and these GLP-1 inhibitors, Manjaro and Tizipatide and all these other things. And the reason that those are problematic is not for healing necessarily, but is for anesthesia. They cause your gut to slow down. When our anesthetists are putting you asleep, your stomach has to be empty. Otherwise, we run the risk of essentially vomiting with you asleep, which can get in your lungs and cause really nasty inflammatory problems. It can land you in the hospital in the ICU. Ozempic, we really need to stop those things about six weeks before surgery. Let your gut kind of come back online, start functioning properly so that we don't run the risk of anesthesia problems. Now that we've gotten through the, the kind of contraindications for surgery, talk about some of the risks. Typically in cosmetic surgery, the idea is that we, we want to get our complications down to zero. Now, as surgeons, we understand that can't happen. As patients, you need to understand that there is a chance you will have a problem after surgery. But we try and minimize those as much as possible. So what are the bad ones that are rare? What's the worst thing that can happen? It's kind of how my parents brought me up. Think about what's the worst thing that can happen before you do anything. The worst thing that can happen is that we do a breast lift with implants and we either have dead tissue, things die. We get too aggressive and stretch things too far and they die. Or we get an infection and end up losing, implants get infected, exposed, and we have to take them out and start over. And so fortunately, those complications are really rare. They do happen, but they're really rare. And they're more common in patients who have healing problems. So things like diabetes, patients who smoke, which is one of the reasons that smoking is kind of a foreboding thing around the time of surgery, or patients who are on some immune modulator. So taking medications for rheumatoid arthritis or ulcerative colitis or inflammatory bowel disease or things like that. Those are things that we have to really be careful with because they can cause healing problems that can result in some really disastrous complications from a cosmetic standpoint. Blood clots around the implants, a hematoma, those are really also very rare. Fortunately, those require a trip to the operating room to drain. The more kind of annoying problems that can happen after surgery is sensory loss around the nipple. Sensory loss can happen. Typically, the likelihood of that happening goes up the further we have to move the nipple. So the more we have to do to kind of move the nipple around and get it recentered back on your chest, the more likelihood you are to have some sensory changes. Now, we don't take the nipple off. That's another common question. People, do you take the nipple off and put it back on? It stays attached. And that's why what we really have to be careful with is that kind of keeping the nipple on that leash to move it around on the inside. That's where some of the nerves and blood vessels live. And the smaller we make that leash, the more chances of problems we're going to have. In some patients, with you know, we have to make that leash really long. It can be a real issue, and we talk about that before surgery. 
Scar healing is another one that we kind of touched on earlier. And scar healing is one of those things. If we want to be aggressive, we can start early. Otherwise, we would watch Mother Nature take her course and can course correct if we see things going the wrong way. That is breast lift and implant surgery in a nutshell. I tried to be as thorough about this and let you know what to expect as possible. Obviously, with medicine, surgery, cosmetic surgery, everybody's different. Everybody's plan's a little different. And if this is something that you are interested in, we will go through all of this in detail at your consultation, but wanted to give you an overview of things so you know what you're getting into uh, before you go in for your consultation. If you have any questions, as always, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.